Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You to lean in, let God speak to you. Some of you I know will hear the first part of this message to go, oh, I know that, I've heard that a few times. If you've been a Christian a while, you will have. But then there are other parts to this as we go through this message. And I think some of you are going to go, I never knew that, hadn't realized that God really wanted to speak to me about my next step. So stay with us. We're going to begin at Luke 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning, you're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her and said, Mary, you've got nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. It's quite a surprise. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, But how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child that you will bring to birth will be called Holy Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son old as she is? Everyone called her barren. And there she is now six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. Remember that phrase. Nothing you see is impossible with God. I want to help you tonight make the jump from nothing is impossible to miracles. But unless you follow this through, many people stop right there and just say, nothing's impossible with God. Come on, God, why haven't you? But they don't realise that there's a next step after this. Let me just read on. Verse 38, and Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid ready to serve. Nothing is impossible with God. Yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. Then the angel left her. I started this morning and going to continue over the next couple of services that I'm speaking at. I'm going to be speaking on why Mary. Because even though Mary is obviously favoured of God, You've got to ask yourself why, what was it about Mary that drew that favour of God? What was it? She surely was not the only young virgin, nor even the only young virgin engaged to a descendant of King David. In the land at that time, David had had many descendants from many generations before. So I know that there would have been many of them, but something about this young woman who not only fit the bill of a young virgin, but something about her, and I spoke this morning on her courage. 
I think it's one of the most significant things about her. But tonight I want to talk to you about one that comes out of verse 38. Yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. No matter how long you've been a Christian, I would tell you that there is more in God for you. I would say to you, no matter how much you know, how much you've studied the Bible, how great your prayer life is, how used by God you've been in the past, I would say to you, like I believe for myself, that God has so much more that we will look back 20 years from now and say, but that was just the beginning. We thought we'd seen so much. We celebrated all that God had done up until there. But what if everything you've known up until this point was just the lead up to what's about to come next? When you read the stories in the Bible of the people whom God greatly used, and there's many of them, one thing always stands out apart from their often sense of inadequacy. You find people like Abram, who at the age of 75, hears God say, get out of the land of your fathers into a land that I will show you. And I will make your name great and your descendants are going to fill the earth and I'll bless you. And yet at the age of 75 and his wife at 65, they have no children. And over the next 25 years, at the age of 100 and at the age of 90 for his spouse, finally they become the parents of the child of promise. You go, oh, that's crazy. Oh, no, there's more crazy than that. Let me tell you the story of Gideon, a young man who considers himself to be the least individual in the entire nation. It's as though you can canvas the entire population of Australia and go and find the person with the lowest self-image and pick them out of the crowd and say, they're the one that God's going to use. Most of us would say, you've got to be crazy. Who would pick someone like that? Well, God did and he became the deliverer of the entire nation. Or it gets crazier than that. What about if you want to pick on a boy who's in his teens, who's never fought anything uh, human ever in his life, He's so obscure in terms of fame that when the prophet turns up to get out of the family line of the boys, the next king over Israel, that even his father forgets that the boy exists. He goes through all the others and then says, is this all? Have you not got another? He goes, oh, heck yeah, I forgot. I do have a son. He's out with the sheep. Why? Because it didn't take a lot of brains to look after sheep. You just sit and watch them eat. Bring them back into the fold at night. There's all of these kinds of people, the disciples. Acts chapter 4, they get described by the religious leaders and like this. When they took note of them, that they were unlearned and uneducated men. The King James Version says they were ignorant men. These are people that were not out of the upper echelons of the chief schools of divinity. They've got no experience in public speaking. They've got no experience really in leadership. 
They've got no experience in the Word of God. That's why all the time Jesus tells them something, they're always going, oh, we have no idea what you're on about. And yet those 12 go on, minus the one Judas who betrayed Christ, those 11 go on and a little bit later in the book of Acts, it says those that have turned the world upside down have come here. Are you getting the picture yet? What about Saul who becomes Paul? It gets crazy yet. Saul who becomes Paul calls himself after meeting Christ, he calls himself the chief of sinners. He says, you want to be the sinner of the biggest there ever was. He says, you know, I persecuted the church. I dragged people off to prison. I did all these terrible things. I'm the worst there ever was. And you read all these stories of these and I could go on and I could go on. You read them all and you begin to understand that often despite our overwhelming lack of qualifications, every one of them gets to be used greatly by God simply because of one reason. All they did was they made themselves available to God. I believe that your availability is always more important than your ability. I believe that your willingness to say to God like Mary did, I'm your maid, I'm the Lord's maid. May it come to pass just like you said. I don't know what God has for you, but I'm praying tonight that you will be saying in your heart, Lord, just like Mary, who did not know what was coming up, she had no idea about the cross. The only glimpse she had of it was when the angel said to her, and a sword will pierce your own heart. She knew that sorrow was coming, but how great, how deep, she had no idea. She didn't know what he would grow up to be, that he'd be crucified on a cross. And yet right at the beginning, this woman was willing to say, I'm available, God. And despite every one of those people's lack of ability, it was their availability that made them greatly used by God. Now, I'm not suggesting that lack of ability is a prerequisite. Is that somehow or other we should all try and be as silly as we can, as inadequate as we can be? I've just lost count of the number of times I've seen people greatly used by God who really didn't have the right qualifications for the job who weren't eloquent, erudite, theologians. Matter of fact, some of the people I've seen God do the most with. A friend of mine who was a bank robber. And I mean, he's the toughest physical man, toughest physically I've ever met. This guy who went to the Billy Graham crusade and sat up in the back row, someone enticed him to go. And he sat up there in the in the back row and mocked the entire service, said it's silly and what are we doing here? And made fun of the preacher. Well, he got sentenced to jail. Well, somebody tried to kill him while he was in there. I know this man. I know him quite well. And someone tried to kill him. And so he went and beat them up. And for his sins, they put him in a solitary confinement. While he was in there, he said one night there was like a light that filled the room and all he could hear was the sound of Billy Graham's voice again and again and again and again. 
He heard it at the crusade. Bonnet grew, thrown it off and laughed at it. And he heard this voice saying, you can be saved, you can be saved, you can be saved, you can be saved, you can be saved. Finally, in desperation, this friend of mine fell to his knees in the solitary confinement cell and gave his heart to Jesus, surrendered his life to God. I met him after all of that had taken place and I drove him around to school after school after school. All these places, private schools, public schools, where we stand up and give that story and tell everybody about Jesus coming into his life. But not everyone's got a story like that. I've got friends of mine that have never done anything from that. The worst thing that happened was getting a parking ticket. It's not like you've got to be bad to have a great testimony. Not at all. All of us have sinned, according to the book of Romans, and come short of the glory of God. So all I really need to do is recognise my need of God and make myself available. Let's read now. I want to take this up a notch. So let's go to John 6, verse 3. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. When Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, one of his disciples, Where will we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip is obviously a logical, reasonable thinker. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, that's a week's wages. A week's wages worth of bread wouldn't be sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, son of Peter's brother, said to Jesus, there's a lad here who's got five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and now were about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. They gathered them up, filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign, the sign of what? I'll come to that. The sign that Jesus did said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. The disciples are locked in to what's not there and they suffer from what I believe many Christians suffer from. And that is they suffer from the illusion of good intentions. You know, I would if I could. I've met so many people that have offered God their good intentions. Can I tell you how many people there are who said to me, Pastor, when I win lotto, I'm going to buy the church this. I'm going to do it. And, and by the way, if you're doing it, I'm, I pray you win. You know, like I'm not too proud to receive it. But you know what I mean? Now, some of those ones, by the way, are great givers. I understand that. But I've met many others for whom it's like, not now, but if. And they offer the Lord their good intentions. One day I'll serve God. One day I'll offer this to the Lord. 
if I had, I'll give this. Can I say this to you? When impossible meets available, miracles are always the result. Impossible just simply needs to meet available. This boy with the five loaves and the two fish offers up what he has and a miracle takes place not out of nothing, but it comes out of something. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9 and verse 16, the same story says that Jesus took the bread and the fish. It says, and he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke them and gave the multitude. Think about that a minute. Jesus never just multiplied all the bread in all the land of Israel. Bakeries weren't suddenly exploding because all the bread that was stored in the back suddenly grew and it was everywhere. You go, what are you trying to say? I'm saying this, God only blesses the available. God doesn't bless what you will do. God doesn't bless what you might one day get around to. God doesn't bless anything other than what I give him out of my life. I give him what I have and he blesses it. Are you hearing this tonight? Because I want you to understand. Because I meet people all the time and go, well, Jeff, yeah, but I'm not. If you ask them, you know, what would you like to do? Well, I'd like to, but yeah, but I'm, you know, and I'm a cunt. And kids and, and something or other else and yeah and whatever and a whole lot of reasons that they may have, some of which are good. Philip is speaking logical sense. If we had a week's worth of wages, we wouldn't be able to do this. Of course he's right. But Jesus wasn't looking for what they liked to do. He was looking for what was available. And when Jesus takes the available, I can tell you story after story, not out of people out of the Bible, but people out of this church. They just keep on saying to God, I'm going to make my life available to you. And because they make their life available to God, God uses them sometimes to the bafflement of everybody that knows them. Huh? You know what I'm saying? It's true. Some people go, why him? Why her? Why do they get to be used to this? I'll tell you why every single time. It's because they made themselves available. God doesn't bless what I might give. He blesses what I give him that's available. Here's my last thing I want to say to you. Is that God wants all your available. Think about it now. Five loaves, two fish. Now this is Jesus talking and I'm telling you if you can make enough food to feed 5,000 people out of five loaves and two fish, I really don't think there was like a low bar. I really don't think it was kind of like, well, I'm sorry, if you four loaves, can't do it. You know, three loaves, nah. Sorry, we can feed two and a half thousand because we've only got two and a half loaves and one fish. I'm pretty sure it could have been two fish and one loaf. It could have been one loaf and three fish. I don't think the number of the resource was what mattered. I think what mattered was that the boy came and gave all that was available. 
Otherwise, why did Jesus say, look, you little kid, how about you just take one loaf and one fish home? Your mum's waiting for you. You know, she's going to be wondering where you got to. So you take that home and I'll use the rest. Why doesn't Jesus do that? When I mentioned before about this sign, I don't think it's a sign that Jesus is, is the King of Kings and the Master of the Universe. That is part of it, I'm sure. But I think he was giving a sign to the disciples. He's saying to them, guys, don't give me part of you. Give me all of you. Don't give me part of you. You know, I gave my life to Christ really as a young man. And I can still tell you it was as clear in my mind as anything I can remember in my whole life. I remember saying this to God at as solely as this, I said, God, you will have everything there is to have of Jeff Woodhood. And you know, that's all I've ever tried to do all the days since. Is just keep on saying, Lord, how do I give you all of me? How do I make all of my life available to you? When Mary said yes to God, it wasn't her saying, I'm going to lend you my womb for nine months. She wasn't saying, look, I'm in this for, you know, the beginning days, but don't ask me to go, well, look, I'll raise him to his bar mitzvah. I'll raise him till he's, you know, technically a man. Then somebody else can take Bring the angel back, for goodness sake. He started all this. Huh? Well, I'll raise him to 18, 21, surely 21's enough. Jesus stays home until he's 30. And yet Mary says, I'm in this. I'm going to come to this in a couple of weeks' time. Mary's there at the conception. Mary's there at the birth. Mary's there at the cross. Mary's there in the upper room. Why? Because Mary said, you know what? When I made myself available, I made all of me available. I didn't start this for looking at the clock. I never looked at the calendar and said, God, I'll give you this while I'm single. God, I'll give you all of me while we don't have kids. God, I'll give you all of me after I'm retired. God, I'll give you all of me and put some date on it. She gave God her life. Can I say a big thank you to everybody, and there's many in this church who have already done this and already said, God, I'm giving you all. That's why you get to enjoy and be blessed by all the great tech and all the great hospitality and all the great friendship and all the great fellowship and all the other wonderful things, you get to do it because somebody said, God, I'm making myself available to you. Amen. You know, I just pray that tonight if you haven't made yourself available to God, I don't think an angel is going to appear to every one of us. Maybe, maybe not. I don't think that's likely to happen, but I'll tell you what, I do believe that God will hear it if you'll tell him tonight, God, I'm going to give you all of me. I'm going to make myself available to you. I don't know what you're going to do. You might be like Joseph who got hidden for a number of years before he stepped into his destiny. You might, might be like David who found instant fame, then went from fame to pain. And then it took him quite some years before he too came into what God had promised him. I'm not saying that if you make yourself available, it's an instant miracle. 
What I am saying is there will be one. And perhaps you will say that the greatest miracle of your life was not the things God gave you, but the things God did through you to bless other people. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Wherever you are right now, wherever you're a part of the service, I know there'll be somebody beside a beach somewhere, somebody in an office, somebody in a lounge room, somebody in a bedroom, somebody in the building in front of me. And you just know that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I want all of you. Have you only given God one loaf? Kept back for just in case? You weren't sure whether you gave him the whole lot, what he might do? Would you get any back? How will I explain that? Come on. You know, that beautiful song that the team led us in a little bit earlier. I will not boast in anything. Come team, will you? I will not boast in anything. I wonder if we could sing that. I haven't organised this. But uh, I, I just want to take a moment. We'll, we'll finish on time or whatever. But I want to take a moment because I feel like some of us, maybe you've been a Christian for years. But if the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, Come on, make yourself available again. Would you do it? Would you say, yeah, I'll do it again. I'm doing it. Can we sing that verse, Nat? Come on, let's worship for a minute. Come on. I will not pause in anything. No gifts, no for us for a minute. I want you just to take a minute. I think about the little boy. I wonder about him a lot, actually. I don't think the disciples went through the crowd saying, empty your pockets. Come on, give it up. Because that wouldn't be the spirit of Jesus. I think something about Jesus prompted this little boy to come and tug on the, the garment of one of the apostles, one of the disciples, and say, Excuse me, mister. Excuse me, I've got this. And I reckon the disciple probably, at least he picked the right one, he picked Andrew. If he picked, if he picked Judas, uh, he would have sold it off. If he picked Thomas, he would have said, don't be silly. But I think he tapped on his garment and said, I'd like to give this to Jesus. Would you do that tonight? Would you just say, Jesus, I've got something for you. I'd like to give it to you. I don't know what you'll do with it. 
but I'd still like to give it to you no matter what it looks like. Whether in years to come they'll write the story of it or whether, Lord, I'll just know I did what you asked me to do. I want to give you what I have in Jesus' name. Come on, stand with me, man. Can we sing it again, Matt? Thank you. Give it to God tonight. Come on. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measures that He should give His only Son to make a wretch's treasure. something powerful will take place. We thank you for that. We give you what we have. We give it to you again. Many of us, Lord, have done this numbers of times, but we give it to you again. Every talent, every gift, every strength, despite the weakness that may be in our life as well, we give you what we have. Our resources are yours. Our time is yours. We give ourselves to you again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you. Stay with us, team. I'd encourage you to take some time this week. Just to underline that again. I don't believe that giving your life to Christ is just a moment. I believe it's a life of giving your life to Jesus. Amen. Whenever you discover yourself up against another obstacle, you do it again, and you do it again. You tell him, Lord, you can have whatever there is. 
Some of you have never begun that journey with Christ. Maybe no one just ever told you how easy it was to start. Maybe you've heard all kinds of stories about what's required and how you've got to live and behave. And you think, well, I, I couldn't live up to that. That's what I thought. Then I discovered that Jesus wasn't asking for my performance. He was asking for his, my permission. He's saying, would you let me in your heart? We made it so easy here. Now, Metro, with all the technology and the beauty of it, it's this easy. All you've got to do is say yes. You can text yes to 0488 826392. If you're in Australia, if you're outside of Australia, or if you'd like to get our help via email, then you just go to yes.metrochurch.org.org.au. Put your yes in there. Then the next day after you do that from us here at Metro, we'll come to you a scripture and a prayer. Fits on one screen of a smartphone. You can get that for 30 days or as long as you want, really. And we would love to be a part of your next steps with Christ. That'll start building you, helping you to get to know Him. If you're in the building, here it is again, 488 if you prefer online, yes.metrochurch.org.au. Amen. I just really love, I, I can never preach something like that without being grateful to God for all the people. Some of them you see up on the stage. Others are up there and you don't see them at all. They're downstairs in the studio and you don't even know who they are. They're side stage and they help and they do stuff. They greet people. They like the brothers standing back there at the back door who they clean the place. Do you know this building is still cleaned entirely between each service? Our team do that. God bless them for it. I think that's wonderful. Thank God for all of you that serve in some ways, the people who pray every single day and every single week for people that say yes to Christ. 